IBC podcast, The XCast, where we help brands navigate audience engagement in times of change. I'm Laliv Hadar, and I lead marketing here at Envision Communications. A full-service audience engagement agency, we move people to action through connected experiences and integrated marketing solutions. We're here today to talk about influencers and particularly how they are being utilized in the business-to-business marketing space. In marketing circles and given the ongoing growth of social media, we hear plenty about influencers. However, this is usually in the realm of business-to-consumer marketing and as a strategy utilized heavily by consumer-focused brands. So think of Instagram or TikTok videos featuring content creators and, well, influencers using products, peddling services. You get the idea. But how are brands leveraging influencers to best engage audiences in the B2B space? Is this strategy core to brands in the B2B space? What are some current trends, platforms, and how do brands in the B2B space get started? Today, we'll be speaking with the true industry trailblazer that will help us uncover the world of B2B influencers. Ronnie Mani has extensive experience leading influencer initiatives at Adobe. Before we jump in, let's consider a few stats. So once considered something that's just nice to have, influencer marketing is fast becoming an essential component in a brand's marketing arsenal. A whopping 93% of marketers have used influencer marketing in their campaigns, and it's now considered a key advertising strategy. Influencer marketing is also very lucrative. The market grew from 1.7 billion in 2016 to 9.7 billion in 2020. Last year in 2021, it soared to 13.8 billion. And this year, we're projected to hit $16.4 billion in influencer marketing. The numbers are staggering. So let's get started. Um, Ronnie would love to have you please introduce yourself. Sure. I'm Ronnie Moni, and I do customer storytelling at Adobe. This is a fairly new role for me, and I'm doing it for our digital media products, and it's been super, super fun to leave, and I appreciate you having me here. But prior to this, obviously, I've done a lot of influencer marketing, both at Adobe and elsewhere, so happy to be here to talk about that. Very important topic. Yes, indeed, and very fascinating. Um, so yeah, let's jump right into our conversation. We're so happy to have you. Um, so the first question I have is, what does influencers mean in the B2B space? Uh, in what ways is it similar to the B2C space? And in what ways would you say it's different? I always encourage people to think about influencers in the B2B space as the names, the faces, and personalities behind your logo right? They're the folks that kind of humanize your brand. We treat them as extensions of our team. They're that trusted, credible voice. Um, And they're the subject matter experts and thought leaders for those topics and messages that really matter to a company. So for example, at Adobe, digital transformation, trust, you know, remote working, collaboration, those are all 
topics that matter to us as a company. And so we enlist influencers who also have a lot to say in those areas and they're considered trusted advisors in those areas. And so um, that's how I would encourage people to think about influencers in the B2B space. And it's quite different than what we traditionally have come to think about when it comes to B2C influencers. Those folks are more, um, brands treat them more as an advertising buy. They become a distribution channel and they are your content creators, right? And they typically have a very strong, strong um, social footprint. And most B2B influencers may not have that same kind of social reach, which is fine. Because at the end of the day, in the B2B space, you are trying to encourage um, people to really trust and believe in the brand and, you know, take action. But it's not necessarily always about buying the product in the same way it is for B2C. Fascinating. So really, it's about kind of building trust and advocacy um, and the extension of the brand, right? So. Very interesting. Um, how how do B2B brands then go about f- finding influencers? Because you mentioned they don't always have, let's say, like a tremendous social footprint as you would in the B2C space. Look for someone who has, you know, a couple million followers on Instagram. It's it's a you're are you looking for different things? Are there certain techniques um or or good ways to go about finding them? Often these might be the people that you're um looking at it at conferences, right? These are the people that have podcasts or have written books on the topics that really matter to you. And in the case of Adobe, we're such an uh, iconic brand. People are lining up around the corner to uh, be affiliated with us. So for us, it's not as difficult in terms of getting a ton of references from other, you know, we might start by working with a handful of influencers who we have met at conferences or who um, our executives are referring because they're, you know, running in the same networks, whatnot. But then we we will get a lot of references from the actual influencers that we're working with, right? But for someone who may not, for a brand who may not, um, enjoy that kind of same um, brand recognition, if you will, you certainly can look, you know, find a handful of people that you are looking up to as thought leaders and see who they're following and who are following them on social. Even if they don't have a huge footprint, whatever footprint they do have, just see who is in their network. And to me, that's the most intimate and um, effective way to find people. Right, word of mouth, and also who who's in one another's networks, um, and assess them that way, and then of course do research on them to see do, are they talking about the things that matter to your brand? Uh, do do they have influence in a network of people that actually uh, are an audience that you're trying to decision makers and people that fit with who you're targeting? Right, because even in a B two C situation, just because someone has a million followers doesn't mean those are the actual audience that you're targeting. Nor does it mean that they're able to encourage them to action. Right, because ultimately, audience does not equal influence, and so that's something most people 
um, don't fully understand and you fall into the trap of, let me go with someone who's got a huge audience and yet they may not have the influence that you're really needing for whatever it is that you're setting out to do. You know, as you're looking for these uh, influencers um, and kind of within the networks of each other, one thing I've heard uh, Adobe reference are product evangelists. And so I'm just curious, uh, does that mean the same thing as influencers or is it a slightly different category of people that you work with? Um, Is it product evangelists and social influencers? Is there a uh, you know, do they correlate or work together or or are they truly, in essence, separate groups, if you will? I, I personally see them as separate groups in that product evangelists can be influential and they might be very well known. I mean, product evangelists in the Adobe lexicon, those are employees who actually get up on stage and do product demos and evangelize our products, right? So they have somewhat of a cult following and they usually have really good um, social footprint and all of that. But, um, you know, our influencers on social media are typically external people, right? Not employees. And they may not have the same product depth of knowledge, um, especially on the B2B space. Um, But they're more, you know, thought leaders and subject matter experts in categories or topical areas. So that really is the distinction. Great. So Ronnie would love to kind of understand what are some current trends in the B2B influencer space that we should be kind of be mindful of and, and perhaps tracking what, how have you seen the space sort of evolve in the last couple of months and, uh, and, and years and, and where it's going? Sure. I think just like it's a candidate's market out there and that employees are really holding um, control and power in terms of where they choose to go and what they want to do. Similarly, I really believe it's an influencer's market in that I'm seeing influencers um, hold out for the right cultural fit when it comes to brands that they're selecting to work with and partner with. They are wanting to be far more involved in um, co-creating solutions for campaigns that's no longer Um, being order takers and simply having the brand dictate what needs to be done. It's much more relationship-based as opposed to transaction. Influencers are really wanting to understand what the brand's objectives are, how they can actually um, be of service in a way that is a win-win for both sides. And I, I just, I feel like believe this is only going to accelerate as time goes on because influencers are really identifying their value and worth and standing by that and calling brands out when um, things are put forward that doesn't feel like it's meeting the moment or it's not right for uh, the community that we're addressing. And so there, there's not, I wouldn't characterize it as pushback as much as just a lot more of a strong POV point of view on how things should be and what needs to happen. And so I personally invite that and welcome that. And I'm quite excited by that kind of ownership and leadership from influencers. Yeah. It sounds like it's just highly strategic and truly embedded with the whole kind of marketing 
strategy for these um, for these brands. Um, and I'm I'm curious too, as you say, kind of it's an influencer's market. What are some tactics that brands can employ to stay engaged and, and top of mind? So once you've you know found these influencers, how do you stay top of mind with them and engaged with them? Honestly, treating them as humans, right? I always tell people when I'm coaching on teams about influencer relations, at the end of the day, it's a relationship. It's not a one and done and move on to the next shiny thing. I um, tell people, think about it as dating with an eye towards commitment. And so just like you would cultivate and nurture a friendship or a family relationship or whatever kind of relationship, you let them know that you're thinking about them and you design give to take, you know, kind of um, solutions, right? Like, just like you would never, Lily, you would never ask a neighbor that you've never said hello to, to borrow a cup of sugar. Similarly, uh, you shouldn't just go and talk to an influencer about only when you need something, right? Actually let them, you know, say happy birthday on birthdays. And so at Adobe, for example, we celebrate birthdays. We celebrate, um, you know, holidays or special milestones as a group, you know, in the influencer cohort or um, for each people, individuals specifically as when there are weddings or deaths or births in the family, right? Um, and, and similarly, um, always championing for what it is that makes their heart sing. Like once I know my influencers up close and personal, and I know they have a book coming out, right? And I'm I'm going to market that book within Adobe and see what Adobe can do to use our name and our platform to elevate what the individual is doing. Um, so all of that to say, construct a give to take. Um, type of situation, always figure out what's in it for them and make it a point to serve and to uplift and edify what they're trying to do. And, and you know, tactically, I'll also say we do like monthly happy hours and we have a group DM group within Twitter so that the community uh, can be connected to not, not only Adobe, but to each other and really foster um a really strong community of people, which has been really nice. One of the things at Envision, uh, we are highly focused on strategic communications and integrated solutions and lots of experiences too in events. And I'm curious um, sort of how the events and experiences factor into your influencer uh, approach, you know, is, is that a big part of, of their uh, involvement with the Adobe brand coming to your events and kind of being a part of that. How does that, how does that play into your strategy with influencers? We definitely use the events as an opportunity, as an inflection point, as an opportunity to congregate in recent months and years. As you know, we've had to turn a lot of our in-person events to be hybrid or at virtual at first and now hybrid. And so, um, 
it's been a little bit more difficult to stay connected, but we've done other things virtually like the virtual happy hours or um, this group DM and whatnot. But uh, no, the events have been things that we rally around, right, in terms of engaging the influencers. But we've been very strategic in terms of making sure those were not the only things because, you know, typically Adobe specifically has two big events, right? Adobe Max and Adobe Summit. Um, and then we've got smaller events, but we want to make sure we have an always-on program and not just programs around, you know, events only. And so they, they play a role, but we've been very careful not to over-index on events. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um and, uh, you know, the ability to see an event as part of your kind of integrated approach and portfolio, not just a one and done is definitely near and dear to, to our thinking and envision. So I can understand how, you know, that's a, a peak, the peaks and valleys for you guys in terms of engaging influencers too, it sounds like, and those are maybe the peaks, but there are, you know, there's a consistency there that you try to attain and in your integra- in, in kind of interaction with, with the influencers sounds like. That's right. And it's a great place to go find other influencers as well, right? It's a great feeding ground for new faces and new names. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. An opportunity to deepen existing relationships, but uh, not not a place where we want to overdo it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, you talked earlier about kind of these influencers being an extension of the brand and, and, and advisors and, and trusted, um, uh, you know, representatives of the brand, if you will. Um, but considering they're not exactly in the organization, how does Adobe or how does a brand um, connect these influencers? To, how do you sort of ensure that they're connected to your overarching kind of marketing strategy or um, that are they're operating sort of not within brand guidelines, but adjacent to or in sync with your overarching kind of messaging to the market, if, if that well, makes we sense. Share, we share our messaging with them, right? We, it, When appropriate, we will share brand guidelines or we'll give them internal briefs because they're under NDA and um, we bring them in, right? We very much treat them as extensions of the team. And uh, in fact, Adobe specifically, we call them Adobe insiders to give that inside access and inside peek into who we are, what we're about, because ultimately we want them to have a really good understanding of how we want to show up and our brand ethos, because you know, we want them to make a commitment to be with us knowing full well what they're getting into. And if if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit and we don't force it. Let me switch gears a little bit. There's a kind of a trend I think that's been growing in the last couple of years, this notion of micro-influencers. Just let me throw out a few stats. Is micro-influencers a big part of uh, the B2B influencer world? And I guess how should brands consider working with micro-influencers? I would say a good deal of the B2B influencers are micro-influencers in that they don't necessarily have a huge social footprint, but they're highly engaged with their audience. Um, They are actually responding to comments and um, they're putting out very tailored posts. Um, 
And in my mind, they are absolute treasure trove of people to work with because they're actually encouraging people to take action and they are actually swaying opinions and decisions because of how incredibly connected and engaged they are to their network. Um, in, in a way, you know, when you have 10,000 followers, it's far more intimate and you're able to do a lot more than when you have a million. And yeah, I, I, I stand fully behind the value and worth of micro-influencers. And I would say, I, I'm not going to necessarily say you should exclusively work with them, but I think that's the bulk of who we work with on the B2B side. What do you look at? Like, what are what are some of the KPIs and metrics that you are kind of actively monitoring when you work with uh, with a group of influencers? Yeah, it, it varies from campaign to campaign, but like most typically it's traffic. We're trying to drive traffic to certain websites. So it's um, traffic and clicks and um, the, uh, other times it's share of voice. Like if we're if we're going to an industry event, we're wanting to know Adobe's share of voice vis-a-vis competitors. Other times it's engagement, social engagement. Um, and then sometimes it's a brand sentiment. What what kind of sentiment are we able to um, achieve, right, through influencers? And so uh, it re- those are some general ones that we look at. But it's not necessarily what I would really caution against is let's get away from, oh, we've got billions of impressions, right? I mean, those are vanity metrics that really don't translate to much. Kind of switching gears to, you know, let's say you're a brand who doesn't have an influencer strategy or program, but you are thinking about starting one. Um, what are some initial steps that you would suggest brands take in order to to start an influencer program or um, strategy? First and foremost, not to think about influencer program as something that's a bolt-on or separate, but more put aside the part about the influencer and think about what are you trying to do in marketing, period? What what are your pain points? What are you trying to achieve? And then use influencers as one other channel to your fuller marketing strategy. So come up with your objectives and that integrate influencers into the bigger mix as opposed to treating them as a separate thing that you're doing. Like it has to ladder back to your overarching marketing strategy and objectives. That's one. Um, And then two, identify those influencers that will be a good cultural fit and a good fit for your brand. Um, And then from there, Three is actually sit down and co-create how that influencer can be in service of what you're trying to achieve. Because you you might need to start with a brief, but don't be so prescriptive that there's not enough room for that influencer to provide an outside in, a point of view and feedback on where they can creatively come and help. Because that's what that's part of what you're contracting here is that outside in perspective that you're not, a lot of times we internal to the company, we're so 
caught up in what we're wanting to do, we're not always seeing what's happening in the world, right? And so don't um, don't cut them out of that is what I would say. Fascinating. Wow. Well, um, Ronnie, thank you so much. This has been a super insightful discussion um, and topic. And um, I want to thank you for joining us and also Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in um, and be sure to join us again soon for the next IBC X cast podcast episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.